Grace and peace upon your Fresno First family. Good morning. Peace be with you. I want to thank you for the prayers. Definitely healing. I wouldn't have been able to be here without your prayers and, and the power of God. I um, also want to thank Pastor Chad for filling in at the last minute. And uh, he's actually filling in for someone else this morning in Hanford. And if you are new, welcome. We're very, very pleased and excited and blessed that you're here to worship with us. Uh, our worship is just a focus on who Jesus is. And so with that, uh, oh, and if you are new, we ask you to fill out a connection card and place it in the uh, connection box in the back. And thank you. And uh, with that, let's go to the Lord as his people of? Amen. God, we love you. You alone are worthy of praise. Forgive us out of your mercy for not focusing on you and your will in our lives. Transform our hearts and renew our minds to remind us of your holy presence each moment. Thank you for your movement in the lives of your people, and thank you for making us on purpose and for purpose. Transform your community to your glory and reveal how, how you would have us participate. We ask healing, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual for those in our fellowship and in our communities. We give you all of our praise. We give you all of our thanks. And it's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You know what? Uh, we got an extra reading today, so I'm going to ask everybody, if you're able to, please stand for the reading of God's word. It's out of Psalm 68. May God arise. May his enemies be scattered. May his foes flee before him. May you blow them away like smoke, as wax melts before the fire. May the wicked perish before God, but may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Sing to God. Sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. But the rebellious live in this unscorched land. Your procession, God, has come into view. The procession of my God and King into the sanctuary. In front of the singers, after them the musicians. With them are the young women playing the timbrels. Praise God in the great congregation. Praise the Lord in the assembly of God. Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Sing praise to the Lord. To him who rides across the highest heavens, the ancient heavens, who thunders with mighty voice, proclaim the power of God, those majesty, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the heavens. You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. This has been the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we enter into uh, this morning into worship and song, we wanted to lead with that. This is the psalm that King David wrote as the Ark of the Covenant had been gone out of the nation of Israel. And King David brings it into Jerusalem to place it into the, into the tent of meeting. For God's presence, may we be the, the same.
Lord, I want more of you. Living water rain down on me. Lord, I need more of you. Living breath of life, come fill me up. Lord, I want more of you. Living water rain down on me. Lord, I need more of you. Living water, the breath, come fill me up. We are hungry, we are hungry. We are hungry for more of you. We are thirsty, oh Jesus. We are thirsty for more of you. This is a participation song. Lord, I want more of you. Holy Spirit, rain down on me. Lord, I need more of you. Living breath of life, come fill me up. We are hungry. We are hungry. We are hungry for more of you. We are thirsty, oh Jesus. We are thirsty for more of you. We are hungry, we are hungry. We are hungry for more of you. We are thirsty, oh Jesus. We are thirsty for more of you. important to become hungry for the presence of God. <clears throat> How great is our God. 
that a key? Cable three. We're going to start that again because <laughs> that did not sound right. There we go. Just imagine how great our God and sing just to him. The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide. Tremble at his voice, tremble at his voice, how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God, and I will see how great, how great is our God. And age to age he stands, and time is in his hand, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The God had three in one, the Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. How great is our God, sing with me how great is our God, and I will see how great, how great is our God. He's the name above all names, worthy of all praise. My heart will sing, how great is our God. Again, <clears throat> he's the name above all names, worthy of all praise. My heart will sing, how great is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And I will see how great, how great is our God. That was sweet. The altars are open. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself and carried the cross. Love so amazing, love so amazing, Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, a rescue for sinners. The ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah, Lord of all. 
His body the bread. His body the bread. His blood the wine. Broken and poured out all for love. The whole earth trembled and the veil was torn. Love so amazing. Love so amazing. Jesus Messiah. Name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah, Lord of all, all our hope is in you all our hope is in you all the glory to you god the light of the world our hope is in you all our hope is in you all the glory to you god the light of the world Jesus Messiah, name above all names, blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, ransom from heaven, Jesus Messiah, Lord of all. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we give you all that we have. We give you our worship. We give you our very lives. And we are not worthy of it. Lord, we ask that you would bless our tithes and our offerings this morning to your glory and to your sake. Help use the money, Lord, that is offered to you to be multiplied and transformed and bless this community. Our goal is to glorify you and you alone. May you be our focus in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, it's time to pass the peace. And so why don't we go ahead and walk around and say hi to some people we haven't said hi to yet this morning. And um, thanks be to God.
There we go. Thanks, Jess. Uh, good morning, everybody. I have just two quick announcements, and then just uh, first want to praise to see uh, Shelly and Pastor Jason and um, just the work that God's been doing in healing. So Thanks. praise God for that. Um, but uh, two announcements we have. Our alabaster is going to be at the end of the month. Is that the 29th? I'm not 24th. Mistaken. 24th, okay. Um, and then there's the boxes in the back for uh, the kids for alabaster. So think about that. Grab those and pray about that. Um, and then the last would be the teacher's uh, blessing. So we're going to do that, and you can grab an item off of that uh, board in the back, and we'll, uh, we'll do that. And I think that's it, Pastor. Awesome. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> All right, so I missed Family Sunday, and I wanted to start a new tradition, so we're going to do it now. We're a week late, but we'll catch up. I want to celebrate everybody's birthdays and anniversaries, and then if there's a life event that's going on. If there's a life event that's going on, we just want to celebrate. So when I call a person's name, you just do this. We don't get to a big cheer. So if I say Shelly, good, there we go. Okay, Shelly hasn't anything to do with this. That's just the first person I saw. All right, so birthdays for the month of August. Jordan Scott. Levi Greenbart. Lynn Cox. Esther Garza. Kat uh, Niemer. Jeremiah Diaz. Anniversaries. Travis and Lola Rea. John and Mary Wilbanks. And the life event is Luke just promoted. So, Sergeant. Oh, I'll, I'll give it that. I'm his dad. The, uh, and is Frank in here? Okay, I thought I saw Frank. If you have your Bibles and apps, we're going to be landing in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 6, 12 through 22. In your pew Bible, it's going to be in 218. We've spoke about trusting, trusting God as our shepherd. We, we've sought, we've talked about looking to God as the refuge in those times where, where we need him. And today we're going to be looking at what it means to have our focus on God and to live a life that is consumed with Him and finding our identity in Christ as a life of worship. I was doing uh, some research at the University of Minnesota. I read a research paper by the research of the University of Minnesota. I don't want to confuse you. I didn't do the research. And they were talking about, they, they wanted to find out how do you go ahead and keep... <clears throat> somebody from getting seasick. So what they do? They went ahead and went to some sailors and they set up an experiment. And what they found in the experiment is they put somebody on a very specialized plate and they had them stand there on the ship while it's in motion to see what kind of sway they would have. Then they went ahead and they wanted to measure that neutral sway versus um, two different um, concepts. One, they had the, the sailor look out at the horizon and try to see even beyond the horizon, they measured the sway. Then they went ahead and had, had the same individual uh, go ahead and look at something up close and measure the sway again. And what they have found out that even in a moving ship, when someone puts their focus so far away past the horizon, they barely moved. Those that had the focus right in front of them they began to sway a lot. And the same thing could be said true of our, of our relationship with God, our intimacy with God. The more we focus on the, on the Lord, the steadier we are in life. The more that we focus on those things that are eternal, the better decisions we make, 
the less we're, we're buffeted by a ship in waters. And we become steady. When we turn our focus upon ourselves and, and off of God, and I know we don't like to say that, but we do. We don't think about God as much as we should. We don't focus on God. And our focus, instead of being eternal, it starts getting a lot closer. And then pretty soon what we're, we experience, what's going on in our life, becomes spiritual vertigo. And we just don't feel well. We feel empty. We feel like we have an unbalanced life. That makes sense? Okay. Well, we'll unpack that a little more. Would you please stand for uh, the reading of God's Word, 2 Samuel 6, 12 through 22. David went and brought the ark of God from the house of Obadam to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. David danced before the Lord with all of his might. David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. They brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and offerings as well and of well-being before the Lord. When David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the offerings of well-being, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed food among all the people, the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, to each a piece or a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins. Then all the people went back to their homes. David returned to bless his household, but Meal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his maidservants as a vulgar fellow might shamelessly uncover himself. David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me in place of your father and all his household to appoint me as prince over Israel. The people of the Lord that I have danced, the, the Israel, the people of the Lord that I have danced before the Lord, I will make myself even more undignified than this and I will be humbled in my own eyes, but the maids of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. This has been the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. There is so much unpack here. I was talking with a couple of people before the service and, and really thinking, like, we need to do a Bible study on this and the ramifications of these of everything that just happens right here. It's, it's the depth of theology and the depth of worship that is happening and what God does and how much he loves us is unheard of. So the thing is, <clears throat> right now, king of Israel. He establishes Jerusalem as the center of Hebrew worship for the nation. See, there's through a series of misadventures under King Saul that the Ark of the Covenant was misused and it was handed over to the Philistines. 
where a lot of shenanigans happen. By the grace of God, it ends up on an outlining area of Israel, and no one really wants to touch it, and they're scared of it for about 20 years. And it stayed there in Israel and didn't move until this moment in Israel's history. And David leads an honor guard to escort the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God, the presence of God's promises, the presence of God's covenant with God's people into Jerusalem and into this tent that David pitched and establishes Jerusalem as the epicenter of Hebrew worship. It's a pretty big day. You see, David hasn't forgotten that his reign is completely and utterly dependent upon the God of Israel. His focus has to be on God as the king, as described in the law, and on God's word. And David understands that he has no power as the prince, as the king of Israel, without God's anointing upon him. And he has no power and authority outside that which God provides And that God is to be the center point and focal point of his life. And not just his life, but the entire nation of Israel and all of God's people to focus on the eternal horizon of God's presence that is greater than anything else. And what the return of the Ark of the Covenant is this return, like I mentioned, of God's promises, the blessings, the Abrahamic covenant. If you want to study that, write that one down. That's a good study. And and then an interesting dynamic occurs. Okay, all of this is happening. That, that psalm we read earlier happened. And because of the rejoicing, the great rejoicing, and this procession of the Ark of the Covenant coming in, because the Ark of the Covenant was out. It went out from the nation of Israel. It got taken by, the, the, um, pal- um, by Palestine. And it, w- it was there in Gentile territory, unclean to the Jews. God's presence, not with God's people. And we could look at it that God gave himself an exile from his people. He removed his presence from the nation of Israel, the people that he chose because of the abuses and lack of focus that they had on God. And now God is returning from this exile time, this time of, of distance, this time of separation. It'd be better said that the nation of Israel was in exile from the presence of God. I think everybody understands where I'm going with that. And now the Lord returns. That uniting of God and his people is happening right here in the psalm, right here, and it's described in 2 Samuel. And this covenant is now restored in Jerusalem as a center of worship in the city of David. And in that, God's reign is reestablished in the hearts of God's people. Worship is happening with God present and present to his people. And the focus point of all the people in the nation of Israel now turns to one place. God. And David becomes so focused on the Lord's return that he begins to measure each step. Every six steps, he stops. He has an offering for the Lord and then remains that focus on God before he takes six more steps. I don't know if you all remember, but we had pause, pray, proceed. That's what he's doing. 
That's what it looks like. God's doing something huge. David doesn't want to get before him. David wants to honor God and keep the focus of everything upon him. And this, this worship procession, it's a worship procession, bigger than any parade, bigger than the Macy's parade or the other parades that we have, bigger than the Rose Parade. This is the heart of revival. When God is a center point of everyone and everything, when our lives begin to be hinged upon his presence and we realize that we've been missing out because he hasn't been the focus of our lives. There's singing, there's dancing, there's rejoicing, there's loud music. There's this contagious atmosphere that made people feel undignified and David strips down to his undergarments. He had on, and I'll describe it in a minute, but he's a king and he wasn't acting very kingly. <clears throat> there's marching, there's dancing, there's singing, there's sacrifices. The king of the nation of Israel strips down basically into a sleeveless t-shirt and boxers and dances before everybody, praying and worshiping and sacrificing. And I began to think if that happened here today, not just here at Fresno First, but you know, in our lifetime, our experience. <clears throat> Will we consider it chaos or holiness? Would we look down on those that are so overtaken by God's presence that they can't do anything but just completely let go and not focus on anything else but God? I'm not going to do it, but what would I do if during a worship I just got so overwhelmed I stripped down to my t-shirt and underwear? That's what they saw their, their leader do. If I did that, most everybody would be unsettled. Shelly would blush. The district superintendent would be called, and I would probably lose um, being able to preach ever again. And the thing is, David was a man after God's own heart. David never sinned when he did this. David was all out and focusing on God. He did nothing wrong. Us letting go and enthusiasm is an appropriate, appropriate response in the presence of God. And not just on the big days and not just on the Sundays. I'm talking about every day. That when God becomes the central symbol and focus of our lives, Things change, and here the nation of Israel knew it. The Ark of the Covenant, God's presence is coming back into Jerusalem. And a worship-filled response occurs. No longer is the sacred separated from the secular. The nation of Israel is worshiping as one, just as the Torah proclaims they should. See, the closest thing to this procession coming in that we read again in the Bible at any place is when Jesus rides in on his triumphant entry. And God's presence and covenant and blessings, what do they do? They return back to become the central focus of life. These two events are connected. You can't, <clears throat> you can't unconnect them. And the thing is, is the response of everybody in Jerusalem isn't the same. Not everybody's singing. Not everybody's dancing. Michal, the wife of David, who is the, uh, the, former, the daughter of former King Saul, she looks out her window, and she's beside herself. 
she sees her husband and she just becomes disgusted. And when David returns home to bless his house, because he asked everybody to bless, <clears throat> to bless their home, she rips into him. Michal didn't join the festivities. Scripture doesn't say why. She could be ritualistic and clean. It could be that she didn't feel it was necessary to participate. Uh, she's the queen. She's expected to hold a couple of things up high that's with dignity, that's not for common people. At least that's the perception that we get here. Because she's mad. She's upset. Not because God's there. It's because David embarrassed her. The perception that Miha portrays is she focuses more on her self-image and the image of what it is to be elevated in society and royalty than over-focusing on God. She rips into David for his undignified behavior and, and, and in David's defense, he, he did have clothes on. He had a linen ephod. It was worn by the priests. It was an undergarment. And like I said, it was a shirt, uh, sheaveless, sleeveless t-shirt. Kind of went down to the knees. He wasn't naked. He wasn't undignified. He was just worshiping God. And the thing is, Michal was more embarrassed about an undignified king worshiping without any hindrance than enjoying God's presence in the nation of Israel. She was more focused on herself and, and what people would think of her and the, and the royal family than she did on God. She, she was embarrassed. She was worried. What are people going to think of us? The king just embarrassed and basically showed himself in front of all the servants. What are going to people think of me? I can't do that. And too many times our response is the same as Michal. We peer at God from a distance. And I'm not talking about standing on that ship. I'm talking about keeping God at a distant point and not participating in a life of worship because we're too worried about the perception of perfection rather than the heart of holiness. And when we turn our focus into ourselves and away from God, we put ourselves into exile because we're so focused inward that that spiritual vertigo and that unbalanced life begins to take hold. And then, and then, since we feel out of control and we feel unbalanced, what do we do? We like to make rules. We like to have behaviors that we can feel like we can control. And, and we begin to put unrealized expectations on other people and on us. And rather than focusing on a life of worship, rather than keeping our focus upon God and abiding and celebrating Him every day, we get to do this every day. This is where Michal and her husband diverged. David is celebrating the presence of God with a heart of holiness. Michal, on the other hand, is exiling herself from God, from the community, from worship, and celebrating God's presence through focusing on herself and trying to fix this perfection rather than focusing on God. And sometimes I've noticed that, that we too like to We like to replace holiness with perfection. I don't mean the perfection of, of Christ dying, of our salvation, of sanct being sanctified, of God transforming us. 
talking about the perfection of when our attitude thinks that we have to go ahead and make a bunch of rules so we look good. Kind of like the Pharisees did in Jesus' day. We want others to to see us as, as being good Christians, good followers of Jesus, never, ever messing up, holding the law to the, each iota and each T, and we forget that Jesus did that already. All we have to do is surrender and focus on him and his presence in our lives. We need to get away from having others live up to these self-imposed rules that the expectations, because, you know, what they watch and what they wear and, and all that, we don't approve of it. Perfection, perfectionism exiles us from focusing on the presence of God. Seeking to look so godly for everyone else, we forget that God's presence is right here and that we get to surrender to it no matter what we're wearing. And intimacy with God comes from a life that is focused on God. And when we focus on that, there's something really cool happens. We get to see his grace. I like, re- I like doing Instagram. My kids probably hate it because I sent them a, a bunch of stuff. And one of the things that keeps popping up on my feed, probably because I just look at it and read it every time, <clears throat> it talks about attitude. And that it, it challenges you. Are we... Are we looking out around us for those small things of God's presence? Or are we so worried about the, the other things that we disagree with? Do we get so caught up in the work of the Lord that we forget to abide in the presence of God? And I was talking to a friend. He's a, he was a retired pastor. Awesome, awesome, brother. He's with Jesus now. And... It, in his last month, we were talking, he said that he's just so sad that he doesn't get a chance to be useful to God. He served God for decades. He always showed up early. He, he always stayed late. He, he made it to all the events. He is a great preacher and, and teacher, and he loved Jesus. And he goes, I just, I can't do it anymore. I, I, I don't have any more use. And we talked about that. He, you, he thought being of use to God made it important. God didn't need him. All he had to do was surrender to become the human that God wanted him to become. And he did. But along the way, it got a little muddied up. You know? And from a casual passerby, both those look really, really close. Those those sailors that are standing on the ship and, and keeping their focus and swaying less than those that are focusing on them close on themselves, the, the passerby is going to be hard to go ahead and, and see a difference. They look really good, but the motives are further from day to night. One is a work ethics righteousness that puts us at the focus of worship and not God. The other puts all the focus on the love and experience God's presence with us. God is the center point of David's focus, and, and David casts out all the pretense just to celebrate God's presence. And it's because of what he thought of God. What do we think of God? What place does he have in our lives? 
Is the Lord the focus of our lives or is He kind of exiled to the periphery just so we know that we can go to Him when things get tough or we need to go ahead and call down a curse on someone because they made us mad? Do we focus more on what others think or what God desires? Do we feel the need to be perfect before the Lord? To put up a perception of Christianity rather than going ahead and simply surrendering to Christ as our identity, being clothed with Him every day, picking up the cross, loving God, loving others. Michal kept God from a distance. She knew where He was just in case. She saw Him, the presence of God. And it seems sometimes we, we complicate things, we miss the simplicity of faith. That's to live out in all areas of our life. Our faith gets set aside for the sake of kids, family, sports, politics, commitments, entertainment. And then potentially, we just forget where we placed it. And we have, like it or not, of complicated things and turned our focus and attention away from God so much even as God's people, while on the course of doing all these things in the name of God, just like my friend, every breath he took, he did so for Jesus. But he missed out. He missed out on just being in the presence of God. And when we lose our focus, we compartmentalize our worship and wind up with spiritual vertigo. See, we, we live in the world and... And when I say that, I mean everything except for the kingdom of God. All right? Kingdom of God is the kingdom of God, and then there's the, the, the kingdom of the world. The world te- teaches us to separate the sacred from the secular. That the, the presence of God is, is, is not removed, or the world teaches us to separate the two. And we need to remember that, that when Christ died, that curtain tore between the the sacred and the secular, and there's not, a, there's not any separation anymore. Jesus covered that with his blood, and he fixed it for eternity through his resurrection. And he removes that, and the Ark of the Covenant is just as much a part of that plan that we can see now here today of God just wanting to live among his people if his people will let him. God is reconciling all of creation back to himself. First through the word, the the Ten Commandments, and then through the word when it became flesh. Dr. Umble, a historian and theologian, regarded um, an issue of compartmentalization in our modern day and separating the sacred from the secular and how we like to keep things separate like that instead of having the focus of God be an all-encompassing part of our life. And he writes, we are called as Christ followers to carry our Christian witness, our spiritual selves into the secular realm to be agents of redemptive change. A prime example here is the workplace where a teacher, a medical professional, a construction worker does not check their Christian witness at the door, but carries it with him or her into the job site to impact others with the good news of the gospel. And even when God is our example, that focus is hard to break. The reality of the self-exposed expectations of perfection that we become fearful of doing anything without being criticized, whether it's no matter where it is. 
We worry too much on performing and doing and trying to be perfect or give this perception of perfection instead of just taking that energy and give it to God as we give him our hearts. You see, God is in our midst. And when God is our focus, the expectations we put ourselves and others begin to fade. Because our focus doesn't become on us, it doesn't become on someone else, it just becomes on God. And so when someone doesn't meet an expectation, I'm just going to focus on God and I'm just going to love them for no matter what. And then, because in Christ we're not in exile, we abide in the presence through the power of the Holy Spirit. David wrote Psalm 68, as we read earlier together, in this processional of celebration that reveals God establishing his covenant with Israel as the ark, ark of the covenant and it enters Jerusalem. And, and in verses 24 through 26, describe the imagery of, of David leading this procession of singers, of music, of dancing, and the focus is all on God as God enters the tent of worship as a source of life for the people of God. David doesn't worry about what Mihaler's thinking. He doesn't worry about anything else. He just puts all of his thoughts and all of his focus onto God and honoring him. All the problems of the kingdom fade in the background. All those enemies that he has, we read in the psalm, you take care of that, God. And everything all of a sudden becomes a little smaller in comparison. And the more you focus on that eternal horizon, your problems get a lot less. You'll be a lot more free. You won't feel so unbalanced. We don't have to be exiled. David reorients the whole nation back to God as a life of worship. And God is the God of all peoples, the father of the orphans, the protector of widows, the one that breaks the bonds of sin of prisoners. And, And God doesn't wait us to be perfect. Clearly, he's shown himself that again and again. He transforms us in his holiness when we make him the focus of our lives. So when was the last time that we focused so much on God that it changed the way that we worship? And I don't mean on Sundays, just on Sundays. I'm talking about after Sunday, Sunday night, Monday, all the way through Saturday, and back to Sunday. What's our response to God? And does our focus show it? Do we look around? We'll see if people are watching. Do we hesitate? Here we go. <clears throat> Talk to Lori. Thank you very much. Holy Spirit was in that worship morning, this morning. Did anybody just feel this urge by the Holy Spirit to come to the altar, raise their arm up, that they couldn't do something, but you held, don't answer, but you held back because you're worried of what someone would think? Just focus on God. Let God do God's job. Our job is to glorify him. Do we hesitate to to lift our hands up because it might seem undignified? Do we hesitate to come to the altar with the expectation of being in God's presence because someone's going to think that I'm not perfect? Do we go to God with our, our rejoicing and our suffering? The nation of Israel worshipped that day as if it was the first and last time they will ever be able to worship again. And they continued that on and on, singing to God, ascribing power to God, blessing God. Simply put, they just made everything about him. And when God sits on the thrones of our hearts, we no longer look at how big our problems are. 
We become present to the vastness and majesty of God. Our, our problems fade. Circumstances change. Your life will not be the same it is tomorrow. Your life will not be this way one year from now. But God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The difference between being unbalanced is our focus. When we focus on the eternal things, we stay stable. When all we do is focus on the changing things, we beget that spiritual vertigo. It's very uncomplicated. It just means that we give up the right to be, have pretense, self-importance, and self-interest. And we put everything into our worship. See, I really got convicted. If Christ came in in all of his glory, one, would we recognize it? Would you recognize it if you're going down the street? I think so. Yes, yes. Would we more be worried about what we're wearing or what we're worshiping, who we're worshiping? Will we be so overtaken by the presence of his glory that we could do nothing else and everything pales in comparison to that? I'll tell you what. Scripture says in Acts, the Holy Spirit was given out and poured about creation. God's presence is here, whether we see it or not. And that means that no matter what we're experiencing, even in our pain and our suffering and our circumstances, those wilderness areas, we find ourselves. When we focus on the presence of God, his presence is with us. Everything falls short of that magnitude. And everything pales in comparison. And that's what David is writing about in Psalm 68 as he describes this beautiful imagery from his heart of what he experienced in 2 Samuel 6. See, just as a tree branch is to... <clears throat> the purpose of a tree branch is to bring the focus on the tree. The tree is not to bring the focus on the branch. The branch lives to glorify the tree, but only can do so as long as it abides on the tree. And the same is our life with God. As we abide in Christ, the purpose of our life, the focus off of ourselves and onto the God... God glorifies himself, and we get to see that. So would you please stand? Challenge question for this week. It's something I would ask everybody to just talk about. What is one area of your life that needs to focus more on God? And then go do it. Would you please put your hand out to receive a blessing? Yahweh the God of all peoples, creator and master of all. May you be the focus of your people. May you lead your people with your presence and by your light. And power through the Holy Spirit that we would be more and more transformed and help us to take the focus of ourselves and put it upon you. May you be glorified as we connect, grow, and serve in our community. In Jesus' name, you are sent.